Perhaps you've heard this story before. There was a man that lived in a very small town who was known especially for his works of charity. Now certainly there wasn't a lot of money to his name, not a lot of possessions, not even a lot of prestige amongst all sort of people, and not even a lot of power. And yet he was very well known, especially for his work in this building and loan business. And so he went to work day after day, and sometimes it was hard to make ends meet, and yet he continued to do so nonetheless. But there eventually came a day when something happened, that all of a sudden there was this deposit that was needed that was $8,000 in total. That deposit completely went missing, and wouldn't you know it, there was a bank audit that day. And then he knew that all of a sudden things just started to fall apart around him, that we saw that his family started to sort of annoy him, that his house was falling down, and then even people passing by on the street seemed to treat him with a large level of scorn. Eventually he reaches this critical moment of mass whenever he realizes and asks this question and really says a statement, I wish that I had never been born. Now, the keen amongst you probably know exactly the story that I just told you, because this is none other than George Bailey, and the story is none other than It's a Wonderful Life. And the story is a very beautiful classic that we hear about at Christmas time all the time, because it's just such a beautiful story, and it shows us about the beauty of life. And yet, as we see that beauty of life, it's done in such a beautiful and spectacular way, because it shows exactly what that person, George Bailey's impact was on the world around him, how he affected the lives of those he touched, even in small ways, and how it made such a big difference. And yet, whenever we think about that, we think about that life of George Bailey, and there's a beautiful sentimentality to it, it's a beautiful story, and yet, without that story of Christmas, it wouldn't be so. And indeed, here we are. We celebrate the very essence and one of the great mysteries of our Catholic faith and Catholic tradition. The fact that Jesus Christ himself was so humble that he became man and walked amongst us. And so we celebrate this moment in a variety of ways. That we gather together, we have a large meal, that maybe we exchange gifts. We do all sorts of different things to commemorate this moment. And yet, how does it change life? Because if we think about this reality of the Incarnation, the fact that Jesus Christ came and walked in our midst and lived amongst us as a man, then it should do something to our hearts and our souls. And who knows? Maybe it'll invite us to consider our place in this world as well, not just George Bailey's. And we all know the story fairly well, but I want to go back to the very beginning. Why is Jesus Christ's incarnation necessary? Why does he need to come and walk amongst us? To answer that question, we need to go back all the way to the beginning of time, even to creation itself. Because we've heard that story that was from ages and ages ago of Adam and Eve. That we know that God had gone through all of creation, he'd made all these different things, and then he makes the first two parents that we've ever had, Adam and Eve. And they're given this place of prominence over all of creation, and they're given just this simple rule, never to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And for a time, that was okay. And then eventually, they came to this critical breaking point themselves, whenever they saw that fruit and they wanted it, and then all of a sudden, they committed that first sin, that sin that started it all, and that sin that created such a large divide and such a large chasm that no other man could restore what had fully been broken. And so when that happened, all of a sudden we see that God is all divided away from his people, that there is this chasm, there is this divide, and yet there's already a plan in motion, because he wants to be reconciled to his people. 
but his men can't do that, that his creation can't do that, but in fact it's something that has to come from his own hand and from his own design. And so he sends his son. But he doesn't do that right away. Because he goes through all sorts of different history that we see throughout salvation history. He's preparing the way for his son, that he's doing all of these works, trying to get us ready to receive such a great Savior. That we go through Noah, we go through Abraham, we go through Moses, we go through the Israelite nation. We see all of the different ways that they go through things well, and the ways that they suffer exile, and the ways that they fall away from the Lord. We see all of those different moments, and it happens for generations and generations. And yet the time was not yet right for the Lord to come. And so we see that he continues on, but there's still this underlying current of hope because he wants to send his son, that he wants to make things right again. And eventually that time does come. And we know all about that story and we celebrate it beautifully and perhaps we could even write it down just off of the top of our heads. That we know that Mary and Joseph find themselves in Bethlehem for the census tax and that eventually they find that the time for the child Jesus to be born has come and yet there's no place. So where did they go? Well, they find a little stable outside of the town of Bethlehem and there Christ is born. And we know that this is a spectacular moment because angels appear in the countryside, that they're announcing the good news to even shepherds, the most humble of all people, that they're telling the good news to even them, and they start to approach this stable to see what has taken place. And the magi that come from four nations so far away, that they see this star hovering over this stable, and they're led to see this newborn king, and they're continuing to pursue him even through all that time. And even Mary and Joseph themselves are filled with wonder and awe at what has just happened. And this is such a beautiful moment. It's such a beautiful moment to treasure, especially as we consider what it does for our faith. And yet we often think of it as something that happened so long ago, something about 2,000 years removed from us, a point where God touched his history and his creation right then and there. But what about here? Because the incarnation, it's a reality, and we see that it's happened a long time ago. But how does it change life right here and right now? How does it invite us to live life differently? Perhaps it's trying to get us to consider a question. Have we made room for the Christ child? Have we made room in, his, in our hearts and our souls for him to truly impact our lives and our hearts? Have we made room in the midst of our reality and our situation, our circumstances, to see exactly where Jesus Christ wants to touch us specifically? Because, in fact, whenever we consider that effect, Jesus Christ doesn't have an effect just so many years ago or maybe in the future sometime from now. But, in fact, he impacts us right here and right now. And so many times whenever we think about Christmas, we think about the Incarnation, we're filled with this sort of sentimentality. That we're filled with this nostalgia of all the Christmases past, the ways that we've gathered as a family, the ways that we've done a lot of good things, and the ways that we celebrate and enjoy time and time again. And those are all good things. But how does the Incarnation change our daily life? Because the Incarnation isn't just a one moment that we live now and we forget about a few days from now, but it's something that's meant to punctuate our reality and it's meant to be carried with us all year long. Because Jesus Christ, because of the fact that he humbled himself, because he wanted to save us from the depths of despair and from our sins, that should change our hearts. That should touch us. That should really change our entire life and our outlook because we shouldn't be filled with despair. We shouldn't be focused on things that don't matter. But in fact, we should be seeing things in a new light because Jesus Christ himself, God, has been in our midst and walked amongst us. But it isn't enough to just say that. 
Because whenever we speak of God and whenever we speak of Jesus, we see him and sometimes we put him in this heaven so far away. And yet the incarnation shows us just how close he wants to be. That he takes up our nature. He takes up the very thing that makes us human and takes it upon himself. That he himself becomes part of his creation. And because of this, he shows us just how close he wants to be. Not just to our human nature and not just to us corporately, but to each and every one of us individually. Because Jesus Christ wants to get to know us in a personal way. That he wants to know our thoughts, our desires, the things that make us weep, the things that give us tears, or make us pause, or make us struggle. That Jesus Christ himself, because he has become man, he wants to show us just how close he wants to be, how much he wants to restore that relationship with us. But the catch is that he's not going to force us to be that close. Because in times in our daily lives, we can feel that proximity, that we can feel the incarnation. We can really celebrate the Christmas mystery, and we can do that very well. But sometimes in our life, things seem bleak, that seem, things seem to be on the down and out, that it seems like God is far removed from our midst. That oftentimes we can look at God and we can kind of place him over there, and then we are kind of dealing with our reality right over here, and we feel like the two things never mix. But in fact, because of the Incarnation, it shows us that Jesus Christ wants to enter into the depths of our humanity, the places that we need him the most, the places where we're tempted to despair, and the places where we might have doubt, just like George Bailey did. Because it's not just about Jesus Christ kind of coming into our life and then kind of swooping away, but in fact, he wants to be here for us at every moment. That He wants to see our good moments. He wants to be with us in those joyful times. But what about in the times of despair? What about the times of sadness? What about the times of grief and suffering? Because the incarnation isn't just a fair-weather friend. It's not just something that's meant to be here at one moment in time, but in fact it's meant to be here at every moment. It's meant to be here in the good moments, yes, but also in those moments when we feel that we're despairing, where we don't know where to turn, we don't have the answers, and we feel like we're just at a loss. Then in fact Jesus Christ enters into the darkness even there. Because when we look at that town of Bethlehem, we see that dark night sky. And so often we think of it in a very beautiful way, but so often it's the reality of our life. Because so often we're filled with darkness, we're filled with that need for Christ's light, that we need his presence now more than ever. Because we really can't tell where our place is, or maybe we can't feel where the answer is, or maybe we feel like we're just struggling trying to make things work on our own. And yet Christ doesn't want us to do that. Because Christ enters into our reality. He wants to enter into our own individual circumstance. He wants to walk amongst us and to be truly with us. Because God wants to be in such a close and proximate relationship with each and every one of us. That it's not something so far removed that we shouldn't find ourselves feeling like George Bailey, just wondering where everything went wrong. But we should rather see the things in the light of Christ. But this also leads to another question, because if Jesus Christ wants to come to us, then it follows to reason that we should be going towards Jesus ourselves. Because the fact of the matter is that whenever we see Jesus, he isn't going to force us into that relationship, but he invites us in. And that should change our lives. Because in those moments when we have that choice that we can choose for or away from God, we should be looking at this moment of the incarnation and seeing how Jesus Christ chose us first. How he wanted to be a part of our reality and be a part of our humanity, but he's not going to force his way into our hearts and our souls. That's where we have to come in. That's where we have to invite Jesus Christ in. That we have to remove from our hearts and our souls all of the different things that can bar Jesus out. All of the different disappointments, all of those things that can really harden us and make us turn away from our God. 
that we have to remove all of those things and give Jesus Christ that place and that chance again because he truly wants to be in our midst. He wants to be in our hearts and our souls, and he truly wants to make things better. Because as I began at the very beginning, we saw that that story in It's a Wonderful Life, that story of George Bailey, he was allowed to see through his own life just how much of an impact he had, that even his loss would have meant something bleak for that town of Bedford Falls. And yet we consider tonight not just our own impact on the world, not that in any specific way. We consider Jesus Christ and his impact, and his impact on humanity, yes, but his impact on each one of us. And that should lead each one of us into a particular consideration. Because Jesus Christ wants to come to each and every one of you in a specific way. That this moment isn't just us celebrating for the sake of celebrating, but it reminds us that Jesus Christ wants to come to each of us in an individualized and in a specific way. That he wants to enter into your reality in a new way. He wants to touch your heart in a way that hasn't been touched before. He wants to be here and he wants to impact your life. But you have to be willing to open your hearts and your souls to continue to see the ways that Jesus Christ wants to enter, not just now, but at every moment throughout the year. So my brothers and sisters, we celebrate Jesus Christ and his birth and his nativity. We celebrate the impact that he's had on this world, and we can even do that in considering how wonderful our life is, even in the moments when it might not look so wonderful. Nonetheless, it's up to us to recognize that beautiful and good news. Jesus Christ is born, that he has come and walked amongst us, and he wants to be in a specific relationship with each and every one of you, and I as well. It's up to us to continue to seek after him and to open up our hearts and our souls to receive that newborn king. So my brothers and sisters, we know that our Lord is born. We know that our Savior has come. Let's continue to open our hearts and our souls so that we can truly see that it's not only a wonderful life, but it's a wonderful life if we're willing to live with it and live with our newborn king in our hearts and in our souls.